Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. Good evening, Simon. Another episode and all the excitement of an away fixture. Indeed. We've gone we've gone on a journey, but but not very far. Just no, a little trip up the A27, yes. which I never realised, as it's an A road, you could attempt to ride from Portsmouth to Haven't on your bicycle, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, nor would I, and indeed some people do, but there is a beautiful cycle path alongside the uh, A27 that goes uh, through the nature reserve there, so I'd, I'd definitely recommend that instead. Excellent. So yeah, we're going to have a quick look at um, uh, Haven't, a bit of a compare and contrast with Portsmouth, and I understand we've got three fine guests joining us this evening. We have indeed. So uh, so we have a leader of Haven't Borough Council, uh, Councillor Alex Rennie uh, joining us. We have uh, Councillor uh, Joe Lowe joining us and Councillor uh, Phil Monday joining us. Um, so we've got each of the major parties um, uh, joining us this evening. Um, we did send invites to um, to everybody that was on the council, um, but we mucked up our research a little bit. So very late in the game, sent research, um, sent our invites to to the three independents that are on Haven Borough Council, but um, they possibly haven't had a chance to apply. But nonetheless, we've got three excellent guests and lots of subjects to go through. So, as the man that does the research and has the tale of the tape, Haven't and Portsmouth. Uh, yes, indeed. So, um, it's not quite a tale of two cities, is it? But it's a tale of two neighbouring boroughs. Um, so, I'll just quickly headline this before before we bring the guests in. Um, but you can so from uh, so Portsmouth has a population of about two hundred five thousand, and it covers an area of about sixteen um, sorry sixteen square miles, um, and um, it's a unitary authority with forty two councillors, seventeen Conservative, fifteen Lib Dem, seven Labour, uh, to the um, Progressive People the Progressive Portsmouth People's Group, uh, and one Independent, uh, but is being run in Lib Dem minority control. Um, but has two MPs, one Conservative, one Labour, obviously Portsmouth North and Portsmouth South with uh, Penny Morden and uh, Stephen Morgan. Uh, but the two parliamentary constituencies completely contained uh, in the um, boundaries of Portsmouth. And that includes the bit that's on the mainland where we're broadcasting from. So none of this splitter yes. nonsense about Portsmouth ends at Hillsy Lines. Um, haven't, on the other hand, 126,000 uh, uh, residents, uh, 21 um, square miles, and as um, 38 councillors, 33 Conservative, one Labour, one Lib Dem, three Independent, a Conservative majority. And um, we have, uh, we have, uh, so in Haven't, there is one, uh, one parliamentary constituency uh, completely contained uh, within, uh, within the borough, um, but there's also a little bit of uh, Meon Valley. So, um, so um, Alan Mack is the, um, is the Conservative MP for Haven't, um, and Flick Drummond is the Conservative MP for, uh, for Meon Valley, which I should say is a, a bit of, is within Haven't Borough. Uh, so that's the two boroughs. So um, shall we get our, uh, and my apologies, um, obviously I misquoted that, Phil isn't a, a councillor, but my apologies for, for that. So um, shall, we get our, shall we get our guests in? Marvellous. 
Good evening and welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Good, good oh, to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. So if I can start just by asking you to introduce yourself, which party you represent, but more interestingly for our, our, our um, listeners and viewers, kind of your a little bit of your background and, and how and why you got into local politics. And if I could start off with Alex, please. Hi, yeah, yeah, thanks, Ian. So I'm Alex, Councillor Alex Rennie, and I'm the leader of, of Haven Borough Council. I've been leader since May 2021, so just under a year, and I've been a councillor for just shy of four years. So um, got a, enough time to, to understand what the role entails, and um, and obviously, f f from my point of view, I'm, I'm you know, what really drives me is, is making Haven a better place, representing our residents. I'm really passionate about the area, um, and it, you know, I, I think it's one that you know it's got a lot of great traits it's a it's a great great town and well two towns you include Waterloo and Haven and then the surrounding areas in Emsworth and Haley Islands um and you know and I, I so I'm, I'm involved just for that reason really because I'm really passionate about place place shaping our area making it a better place and um you know representing our residents um a bit more about myself um before I got into local politics I used to be a journalist um and now involved in in uh, in politics as well um my job wise so yeah that, that's that's me um and yeah thanks marvelous thank you alex and I'll ask the same question to joe please hi yeah um i've been a councillor shy of four years myself um i started um delivering leaflets for um faith ponsonby who um was the councillor for the ward i'm in and um she then came up to me and said you fancy standing so i'll give it a go you know <laughs> i'll do my best um, I've, um, the year I was elected, sadly, I lost my father, so that sort of impacted a little bit. But he was—he's always been a Lib Dem supporter, so I sort of carried him with me through it all. But um, yeah, my aim is basically to represent everybody. You know, it doesn't matter how you—you know—where where you live. You know, we're all here together. Let's work together and make it better for everybody to live in and yeah tighter community for everybody perfect and what about what about pre-politics or outside of well, politics, pre -politics i used to be a dinner lady at a local school um i work as a program seller at portsmouth football club marvelous so um, i've um i'm known for my mouse down there very loud <laughs> and um yeah i'm also a member of a local choir as well so vocal in every respect then joe yes marvelous and phil moving on to yourself hello uh no i'm not not a councillor i've stood for the council in the last three or four elections um i've probably been active in politics only for the last six years since i retired uh before that i was a, a teacher for 40 years um the last 17 of those i was a secondary head teacher um so i had a responsibility for about 900 students i had about um about 100 staff and a budget of about four million that we had to deal with so with that experience i when i retired i kind of wanted to do something i've been a labor supporter all my life or all my adult life and i i thought this was a good way to do things and i, I have to be honest i think as well having lived in haven for all that working time basically um i think there were things we could do better and and i thought well if you think things you could do better then you actually have to you know put your head above the parapet and say so and and say how it could be done so that's what interests me about it um i'm particularly motivated i suppose because i want a fair society and, and i worry about the 
growing disparity between the very rich and the poorer members of our society. I think that's wrong. And I, and I, I feel that quite strongly um, in a context of haven't, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about that. Um, I also am very keen on openness. So I think something like this is excellent. I think it's really important that we as people who are involved in politics share the issues. And I want any issues that the council has to be shared. And I think it's important that we share issues that are not just um, when they're sorted or when the decision's made, but actually sharing the fact that things can be difficult to decide and that council should share that with us and enable us to be part of that debate. It doesn't take away the power of the council in having to make the decisions because they're the elected mm. representatives. But it, it's quite important to me that that is there is an open debate. So things like this are really important. I think we have to protect our democracy. And the last thing I think, so I'll finish it. The last thing I think is, is I think environmental issues are really important. I think they should be on the top of everybody's agenda. And we need to do more, all of us. And, and so I think we need to have debate about that. Thank you. No, thank you, Phil, and and, and thanks to, to to Alex and Joe. And um, no, we we are more than happy. The, our sole reason for being here as the uh, as the well, the, the haven't politics podcast as we are today is is really to to give time and space for the, all the uh, the things that really matter to be uh, to be kicked about and discussed. Simon, thank you very much. And just to point out, anyone following the live stream, uh, Phil's image seems to be frozen, but obviously his audio is still coming on loud and clear. So um, apologies for that, but we'll uh, we'll press on. But um, but yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for that. And I will, um, in line with my correction. Uh, point out that we had a fantastic amount of help with our research from Tim Owens uh, this week. So thank you, Tim, for giving us some insight um, on um, on events kind of haven'twards. Um, but the, the but the error of mine about Phil not being a counsellor was entirely mine and not Tim's. So I'm I'm, I'm not going to blame our um, our researcher in that respect. So. Um, so moving on to, to question two, uh, so Portsmouth obviously is a, as we said earlier on, is a unitary authority um, and having uh, Borough Council, you sit within Hampshire County Council. So, um, you know, so so from us, from, you know, not all of our listeners that are in, in Portsmouth will kind of know actually how that how that difference works. So what's the, the split of the responsibilities uh, between between the two types of authorities? um so between the borough council and the county council um and what are the benefits versus the challenges of that type of structure and if you could change it what would you change it to um and if i could take that question first to phil please right um well i, I work when i was a head teacher i worked for hampshire so i, I know a bit about H hampshire is basically the, the authority that deals with um education and schools it deals with social care um it deals with with uh, highways and a number of other things um the local the, the the borough council or the district council in some cases uh that deals more with planning so all the issues to do with houses um and housing what type of housing where it goes that's that's for the borough all the issues like refuse collection um local amenities that tends to be the local borough um I'm probably a bit resistant to the idea of changing the system, mainly because I think um, if you take if you take 
the further away you take government from people, the harder it is to engage them. And I think it's, it's realistic that areas like education and social care require bigger, you know, they're, they're, they're things that you, you need a bigger mass, if you like, to, to do an efficient job. But some of those things, it's better to be local. So I think things like refuse connection, I mean, I know it doesn't sound very exciting, but it does matter to people. And, mm. and, and having that at a local level where you can speak about it locally and you can get in action locally, I think is really valuable. So I'm on the whole inclined to wish to keep it as it is, um, but I, I, I'm reasonably open to it really. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, and if I can go next to Alex. Yeah, thanks. I think I think Phil summed up very well the responsibilities. Um, I I always describe it as the big three, which is as as Phil said, transport, education, adult social care. So those are those are three big areas that Hampshire County Council deal with. They're hugely resource intensive, um, very expensive, um, and and residents might be interested to know that in their council tax um, of, of the money they spend and goes towards um, local authorities, about 12% of that goes to Haven Borough Council, um, about 80% goes to the county, and then you've got the rest, you've got the fire service, and you've got the police and others taking the little extra bits on the side. So when you think about it, 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 the vast majority of money in your council tax is going to county to deliver those really resource intensive, expensive um, items. Um, Hamburg Council, we're really we're we're sort of focused on place shaping, as as Phil said, we've got refuse collection, planning, economic development, regeneration. So from our point of view, we can just really get on and focus with that just place shaping agenda, as I call it, and haven't really getting on and delivering things that have a real impact on people's lives. Um, but interestingly, actually, we have over 80 um, statutory services as a district tier or local authority. So we actually have a huge number, far, far more statutory services than the county does, but clearly not quite as resource intensive. Um, I, I'm fully, fully in favour of the two tier system. I think it's very effective for counties like ours. Um, as I say, you know, I think you, devolution is about devolving to the lowest level. I'm, I'm truly passionate about how devolution works and, and making sure that it's felt by real people on the ground in the areas they live. Um, so actually, you know, nobody wants devolution and ending up in Winchester. You know, devolution has to flow to the lowest possible level. So um, two tier is very good at that. Um, you know, we're going to start seeing some more changes down the line with the white paper. I think you, you mentioned that in your question um, and talking about things like the Share Prosperity Fund that comes that will come out and start to be delivered in the next 12 months. And that, that's a district tier um, authority um, power again. So actually, you know, what we're starting to see is, you know, districts making the case um, that they are the local authorities that can be tr trusted to, to deliver real change for areas. And I think we are going to be doing that. And yeah, we, we're very excited to, put, to step up that challenge here and have not and, um, you know, fly the flag for our area. Thank you, Alex. Um, and to Joe. Uh, uh, yeah, it's um, the fact, I think the fact that um, some of the Haven Borough councillors are also Hampshire County councillors makes it easiest for, easier for us to, um, to work together. The fact that, you know, we know the person we can go to contact when we get, um, not complaints, some concerns from residents. And um, yeah, obviously along with, you know, yeah, like um, Alex said, transport, the education, and, and um, with having, obviously we've got the licensing, we've, we've, um, we're in charge of um, the taxis and also food safety and parking, which is um, not just an issue obviously here, but obviously in Portsmouth as well. So um, yeah, um, uh, since I've been there, I've considered, I haven't encountered any issues with the two, two tier system. I think, if we are going to look into a change, it needs to be 
not just the council, but the residents need to be involved as well, all working together, because at the end of the day, it's going to impact, it would impact all of us if there's any changes made at all. Okay, thank you very much. Ian? If we look at the makeup of the council, and, and it's very interesting comparing, contrasting it to Portsmouth, because obviously in Portsmouth, you know, we've got that, we've got the no overall control council, which we've had for many, many years now, and, and the Lib Dems running as a minority administration. But if we look at the makeup of haven't, you know, you've got 33 conservatives, um, one Labour, one Lib Dem, three independents, but I think all of the independents have some slight connection to the conservative organization i guess in a in a in an environment like that um there's two interesting pieces for me one is the that variation in turnout you you know you're as high as 45 percent in emsworth um but as low as 16 percent in warren park and that that mirrors quite a lot of the demographics of portsmouth um but i guess the question is with a council that is that you know, that that one-sided, is that the right term? Probably not. But I guess the question is, how do you ensure that everybody's voices are heard? And I think, you know, questions particularly to our, our Lib Dem and Labour chums is that how do you motivate those people at the moment who perhaps don't vote, um, you know, because they, they, they see it almost as an inevitability that the Conservatives will will kind of will win? So I guess question first to, to, to Joe on how do we ensure everyone's voice is heard? I think the important thing is to know that we're there to listen. Um, I'm quite happy to sit down, have someone have a rant about stuff, get it all off their chest because it's better getting it, getting it out there for people mm. to hear because everyone's got their own opinion and that's what we need to hear as councillors. We need to hear what the residents are thinking on all these issues, whether they be, be small or big. And without that input from the residents, we can be stuck. And it's essential to have that, that, that connection between us and the residents, because at the end of the day, whichever way they voted, you know, we've been in that, we've been put into that position. So it shouldn't matter who they've, you know, we know, we will know who's voted, but you can't tell who's voted for who. So you can't turn around to a resident and say, well, I'm not going to do this because you didn't vote for me. It shouldn't be like that at all. You know, I was elected here. I'm going to fight for every resident as much as I can. And I guess to that wider question, Joe, how do, how do you motivate voters in those wards that, you know, are, are potential Lib Dem voters that they really should turn out to try and make a difference? Um. There's different ways. I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people I prefer the face-to-face -face contact. It's I think it's better when it's face-to-face because -face you get to um, it's more of a personal connection rather than on the phone. And now we've got the technology working, as we've noticed during lockdown, you can also host stuff like this as well. So that's also the face-to-face -face contact. But hmm. not everybody has the facilities with the internet or being able to connect like this. So it's finding the ways that work for each individual because there'll be some people who'd be happy to sit, sit and have a chat on the doorstep. There'll be some people who'd be happy just to have a quick chat on the phone. And it's letting them know that you're willing to be able to contact them whichever way suits them. Perfect. Thank you, Joe. Same, same question to Phil then. Um, <clears throat> well, I think you've got a really interesting contrast between Portsmouth and Havant. 
Um, and, and I personally, I'm I'm much more in favour of you know the idea of coalitions doesn't actually or, or you know a, agreements doesn't actually worry me at all. I think that that way encourages an engagement with people. I am worried about what goes on in Havant. I'm worried about the lack of lack of opportunity to challenge our council. Um, the fact that, in fact, at the last election, the three independents were elected as Conservatives. So 36 out of 38 councillors were elected as Conservatives, although the Conservatives only achieved, I think, possibly very slightly, something like 50.5% of the vote. And you're right, it's very difficult, actually, to get people to come out and vote. I mean, interestingly, you, you see that Emsworth and St Face were the highest turnout. Um, we did a lot more. We were able to do a lot more there to put leaflets out, to cut doorstep um, and talk to people. Um, the things that Joe's been talking about, but we actually, you actually need to give people information about what the, what the decisions are being made. I frankly think our council doesn't do that enough. I frankly think they just tell us when they think they've done something very well. And I think they should be more honest. They should be more open about what's going on, for example, about the, the sewage and the issue there. What are they doing about it? What do they think they can do about it? I'd like to know more about that. They don't tell us. They tell us just that they, you know, everything's okay or everything's not all right. Sorry, just watch your cat go past. Um, I did warn that it would happen. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's quite a problem and it's a difficulty as well for the opposition parties to persuade people that it's worth voting. Um, and that's our job to do that. So I don't, I'm not complaining about that. I, I do think um, for the council to be effective, they ought to give us more of an opportunity to express our views. Um, we do have one councillor. She does an excellent job. She's done an excellent job for the council for well over 10 years. Um, but she is retiring this time. And Joe is the only other councillor that's not a conservative. Um, I, for example, uh, wrote to the leader of the council uh, last year expressing my worry about the proposal to merge the staff of Haven and East East Hampshire and I said I didn't think it was a good idea and I gave a lot of reasons why I asked the, I'll ask the leader of the council if he would speak to me he, he didn't reply for about three weeks and eventually when he did reply said I'm sorry but I don't I I, I really don't think it, it, it's appropriate for me to talk to you uh, so I got no chance to express those views, even though they represented quite a lot of people in the Labour Party at that time, something like 500 members. Um, I think I think the council's got to find ways to engage with people who don't necessarily hold exactly the same view. And, and there are lots of people in Haven who are active, who are interested, who attend council meetings, who, who write comments. And it's really important that the council takes note of them because this is about democracy. This is about holding people to account. And democracy is something that's really valuable, that's really powerful, that's at risk, we know, in some places with some politicians that have occurred more recently. And we really need to fight for it. And that means to say we really need to have good, honest debates about the issues around us in a polite, civilised way. But we do need to be able to challenge each other. And I worry that having council does not have an adequate opportunity for others to count challenge its decisions. Thank you, Phil. So, Alex, I've deliberately come to you last. So, if I was to think about you as uh, as the Prime Minister, you're, you're sat in Haven 
potentially with 600 MPs in your party and an opposition of 50. So I guess the the challenge for you then as the leader of the council is how do you ensure that that you get those balanced views from all of your, you know, all of the people throughout the whole of the borough? Uh, um, and, and how do you, you get those kind of checks and balances that are essential for good governance? Yeah, that's fine. Um, before I start, I mean, Phil, do you mind clarifying? I don't think that was me, was it, who had, um, who didn't answer your phone call? It might have been the previous leader. Is that, no, is that I, no, sorry, that's, that's unfair. I, sh I should be very, I should have been clear about that. It was Michael Wilson. Okay, fine. I, I, I was very worried there. <laughs> I was ignoring your phone call. No, no, sorry. <laughs> and and I, I accept that you picked up a question that I raised and put it to the council. So I, I, I admit that personally, I'm not making that as a as a comment about you at all. But I am. No, no, that's fine, Phil. I, I just wanted to clarify that because um, obviously I, I'm hearing it, and I think I, I can't remember the I can't remember that particular correspondence, and I thought it might be my, my my predecessor. So, um, yeah. but you know, I think I think in in terms of you know. You, you still made the comparison now to Westminster, Ian. And I think it's I think it's actually I don't think it's right to necessarily make that comparison because local government works in a very different way. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of we leave party politics at the door in some ways. It, it, you know, we we all get on and do our things. All of my councillors are all very thorough. They they care deeply about the borough they serve and and they do that in a pretty non-partisan way. And actually, if we're talking about what challenges or benefits the current system represents you know you can if not careful and i've seen it in local authorities all over the country where you know you can end up in partisan conversations um and and political point scoring and actually it doesn't take your borough or your area very far at all because you know you, you're, you're you're paying too much time way, way down in in political debate rather than actually getting on and doing what's right for your area so so there are benefits i think you know look i mean I, i'm i'm also somebody who deeply respects the electorate i you know politics is and democracy is all about the residents deciding who wants to represent them and i think i, I wholly trust them to make the right decision as to who they want to to vote for and you know from my point of view i um i can't stop people voting conservative and nor what i want them to um i think you know conservative uh, councillors offer very good um hard work value for money for for our council area so i think everyone has the right to vote for a conservative they want to um clearly we think conservative councillors you know offer the best um representation for the residents so i mean yeah so it, it, it's I think it's a bit of a, it's a challenging one to a certain extent. I mean, you know, um, we we do a very good job of holding ourselves to account. We have a very robust scrutiny process, which does take place in open and public. Uh, we do as much as possible. We are out in there answering questions to the residents. We have public participation at council meetings where residents can ask questions. Um, we have petition policies. So we do everything we possibly can to make sure residents' voices are heard. But ultimately, I think it all comes down to the fact that every single councillor on the council represents people in a non-partisan way. Um, it's not about the fact you vote Conservative or Labour or Lib Dem. You know, I'm always willing to talk to any of my residents about no matter what issue at all, if they voted, they didn't vote, or if they voted for me or didn't vote for me. Um, and then, you know, on the council itself, and I think with Joe and others, we work in a quite collaborative way. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, it ever bothers me that you've got other parties uh, on the council and it's been more, it's been less in my time. Um, I've worked with UKIP councillors, I've worked with Labour councillors, um, I've got a very good relationship with um, with, with Councillor Francis, as, as Phil mentioned, um, work close to a number of issues and, you know, it, it's great. We, we don't worry about party politics in some ways, we just get on and do the job that's best for our area. So I guess my only challenge to that Alex is you know if I if I was a resident of Warren Park and you know less than two in ten people 
you know, feel it's worth putting an X in the box. You know, is there a risk that because of the, you know, the, the considerable majority that you've got, that the, that maybe the effort into trying to engage with those residents, they're, they're, you know, there's almost an element of, you know, well, you're going to win come what may. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it's kind of interesting. You, sort of, you picked up on Warren Park particularly. You know, Warren Park changed hands in the last election. It went from being Labour to, to Conservative. And um, actually, um, you know, th those people in those wards, we try our hardest to speak to them, to get to them, get them to vote. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's it, it's like anywhere across the country, isn't it? You know, what is the magic? What is the magic ingredient to get people to ballot box? And mm. I, I'm someone that deeply is passionate in 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 representative democracy and in politics and getting involved and having your own having your voice. But I think it's a more wider problem than just in Warren Park. And I think if you were to go into Warren Park and speak to people who didn't vote, I don't think it's about the fact that there's 33 Conservative councils on the council is the reason why I don't vote. It's the same issues you'll find elsewhere in the country to do with apathy. Of, of politics in general um and and you'll find the same in probably some of the wards in in portsmouth and i'm not an expert in portsmouth but i think you would find similar issues in in there and in also in other parts of the country so it's more of a challenge of actually how do you get people to convince them that voting is is a good thing in general um i don't think they're worried about you know number of conservatives in the council it's about making sure they're getting that they're, they're understanding why democracy is important perfect thank you alex I thought for one minute Ian was going to be advocating proportional representation then. Yeah, yeah. Look, look still breath in my body. Never going to happen. Go okay. On to the next so, uh, so moving on to, moving on <laughs> to the next question. Um and I'll and I'll come to Joe uh, with this one. So um so with the you know so the looking looking at the the demographic spread, excuse me while the cat just goes across the screen and backwards again. Um you've got areas as as diverse as you know you've got Emsworth, Waterlooville, um, Purbrook, but you've got Hailing Island, but then you've also got, um, obviously, as we as we mentioned, Warren Park uh, and and Lee Park. You know how how different are um, how uh, different are they, and, and what are they, what are they kind of like different challenges? And is you know something that's quite often talk, uh, talked about quite openly is 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 about Hailing being a very individual uh, place, and it and it's um and it needs to be thought of differently it's how how does that how does that all work Jode? uh well each section of the haven't borough obviously has their own unique issues obviously with hayden island you've got the single bridge on and off and obviously that's a lot of challenges for the traffic flow um they've got they have the um coastal um side down there as well but the major majority of the issues in the whole of the borough or all the same like, you know every single borough has um problems with antisocial behavior you know drugs and it's it's um yeah we all have our, our own little issues to deal with but a lot of them are the same by working together we may be able to help in other different ways that you know certain borough can't okay thank you very much alex yeah, thanks, Simon. I think I think there there are challenges in different areas, and I think it's you know when we look at the the borough in a whole, there's there's a different different needs and different um different make of the areas. I mean, you know, look at Hailing Island is a great example. It's you know it's one of the you know largest islands in the country with a single road on and off it. Uh, as Joe mentioned, it's also got erosion on the seafront. Um, so Hamburg Council's in charge of coastal defence as uh, 
another our responsibilities. So we're going to protect the protect the seafront and making sure homes aren't flooded. Um, so you know we've got we've got that responsibility. Um, in and Haven Town Centre, you know we've got regeneration and the same Waterlooville regeneration. It's trying to get economy and jobs moving, uh, making sure breathe some lives into those areas. Um, you know and, and again, you know, Lee Park is different. Again, you know clearly, you know I, I represent one of the wards in in Lee Park in Wesley, and it's a lot more. Uh, problems of social um, problems in terms of people um, needing help with housing, um, support in other ways. Um, so yeah, it, it's a real, it's a real mixture. And I think one of the things that that makes having it, its challenges it, are the fact it has different areas with different needs. Um, so that that makes our lives as a council it's more challenging because we have to do lots of different things. Um, but we're hopefully trying to rise to that challenge. Um, lots, lots of different ideas without the re regeneration of the town centre is said, or whether or not that's looking towards boosting tourism or coastal defense on Haley Island or, or again in Waterlooville with trying to get trying to change that town center again so yes there, there are the challenges and, and that's what we're trying to address the council and trying to pull those things together okay thank you Phil I think it's a really interesting place partly because of the range of um, different different communities if you like within it um, I, I, I just want to I, I want to say some things about um, about some of the areas in Lee Park, which which really suffer quite a lot from, um, if you like, a lack of enough money to, to do the things they want to do. So there's an awful lot of, there, there are at least two um, food banks running in Lee Park. Um, I think one of the issues is housing, which the council has some has the option to do something about. Um, it, it's, you see, uh, one system that exists in several councils is that the council work with a local housing association and can build council houses, which help those people, particularly young families, unable to find houses at affordable rents. And that's really a key issue in supporting young people who are at the poor end of the salary scale to, to, to be able to help to let, let them grow their families, develop their families in a good way. Now the council can do something about that and, and I think it's really important that they look into that as a possibility. Um, I also think there's some things like when we're talking about developing um, and building houses, we ought to look more at existing um, town centres where the development could improve the environment for all of us. So, for example, in St Face, where I stand, the, our, the, our town centre has got some parts of it which definitely need improvement. They could also, at the same time, provide some of the housing required for um, our housing targets. And, and I really think it's important that we do that. But my area particularly, which is St Face, I think there are issues like um, the environment, cycleways, um, trees, which I think are important to lo lots of residents. And I, and I think simply the option to have some say in what's going on. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and interestingly, kind of segueing about uh, developments, yeah. Ian. Yes, this one's quite a personal question to me. I, I spent uh, 23 years, uh, again, I started when I was nine, um, ploughing my furrow along New Lane. Um, I spent five years with Gem Plus and then 18 years with Wyeth, that was then became Pfizer. Um, and again, if I look at that look at New Lane as an example of 
businesses like Goodman's and Colts and Eaton and, you know, Pfizer has now been leveled and your Kenwood is a shadow of its former self. I guess my question is that, you know, are those well-paid manufacturing jobs that used to be at the heart of the haven't economy, has, has that, you know, has that ship now sailed or is there, um, you know, is haven't destined to be housing estates and distribution centers? Um, I think I'd ask that first to Phil. Um, I think there's, I think, I have to admit, I'm not an ex. I'm not an. I'm not an economics graduate, so I'm not an expert. But I think it's quite likely that um, we're going to need less manufacturing in the future, or certainly smaller units, and that might give us an opportunity to reconfigure the uh, places that we've got we're using for in, for industry. Um, I, I think the development of the Dunsby Farm Estate. Uh, the Brockhampton Lane, along with the, um, the whole area around the uh, amenity tip, um, I think those that's those are good places because they're actually not central haven't. And I think it's not a good idea to be developing new lane for something like a transport hub for um, Amazon or whoever is likely to use it, because I think that's unhelpful and I think there are better places for it. So I think we have to think carefully about the spaces we've got and how we use them and possibly consider changing some of the industrial areas to be housing and at the same time developing more industrial areas at the at the periphery of the town where they've got, they've got immediate access to the transport system. I think Havant is a great place to live in, partly because it's such a good transport place. You know, the trains, the boats, the roads are all very good to get get you to lots of different places quite quickly. Uh, I think we need to make use of that. And, and that's why I think we've got to look at the areas we've got and use them more wisely. Thank you, Phil. So same question to Joe. Um, I think that with um, the regeneration um, process we've been going through um, at Haven Borough, I think that working all together, is, that is going to bring some of those businesses back. It, uh, we need that. We need the op job opportunities for everybody and companies that will offer that to you know children who leave school. Because not everyone who leaves school goes straight into college, you know. And even if it's starting at the bottom and working up, and by bringing those businesses in, whether it would be factory or transport, it gives the opportunity for everybody, and that's important. And for us to all work together. I think it's something that could be possible down the future and obviously it's going to take time but if we put all the network together as a council and as the community the, the borough as a whole we can make it better for everybody so you you think there's still hope joe that the that those kind of well-paid jobs will return to the borough because obviously i think phil touched there on you know and again close to my heart the old pfizer site is now a car park and and there's talk that it's going to be a distribution center for a well-known online retailer but that kind of work brings 10 pound 12 pound an hour work rather than really well-paid salaries you think there's still hope that um that that well-paying businesses will return to the borough yes yeah i, I do because i think um they're, they're going to see us growing as a borough with through the regeneration and 
everything else we're plowing into it is going to take time i admit but all working together i i believe that yeah it will happen brilliant thank you joe so alex opportunity now as leader of the council to uh to um to answer the question thanks ian and what i would say to you is I, I live around the corner from new lane come drive down there now it is genuinely really thriving so you've got um the 10 million pound new sartorius building it's been built that's pharmaceutical um manufacturing business uh, helping deliver the, fa uh, the the vaccine program for the nhs uh, we've got the butterick site that's just been finished being built on on new lane um we've got um to about, about phil's previous point we've got um about 90 social houses going at the top of new lane the old cult site and that's been fronted by more economic business um development that is yet to be decided but that's earmarked it, it genuinely haven't is, is proving to be a really really popular place for business businesses to invest you've got the absolute magic ingredients in my mind you've got the a27 corridor you've got the a3 corridor to london you've got hour and 20 to london on the train and you've got the ports of portsmouth and southampton right on our doorstep we are absolutely a fantastic place to invest and you're seeing it all the time day in day out we are seeing companies choose having to headquarter to invest in um fat face have just chosen it and um, recently built their new headquarters distribution center up at dungey park we're chosen in dungey park as a tax site for the new solent freeport which means the whole of the borough is now incorporated inside of the freeport area that's going to see massive benefits um we're really pushing for a skill center to go into lee park alongside that um I, I genuinely could not be more positive about having getting investment as a place to do business and you're seeing it all the time genuinely um have a drive around haven't have a look at some of the investments taking place economic development that's taking place businesses are choosing haven't as a place to invest and are doing it absolutely all day every day is there not a risk that haven't becomes a dormitory town you, you mentioned the the um rail line to london and you know in the time that i i I worked, lived briefly in Haven and, as I say, worked there for 23 years. There, there was an awful lot of housing being built, um, but not an enormous amount of factories. I, I don't know what you mean by that sort of concept, Ian, but I think people people are, um, yes, it's, it's a residential area, it's a market town, it's, it's, it has that um, nature to it, but people are investing money in Haven. And I say, I've listed the examples, people are doing it. It's being seen as a real economic hub because it's outside of Portsmouth, it's outside the city, it's on those lines, it's got a lot of people living locally with a lot of skills um, and, and people are choosing to, to, to invest and develop in it. And I, I think, you know, it, you've only got to look and drive around the, the borough and, uh, you know, I, I get to do it all the time every day and I'm seeing, and even in the last four or five years, when you, when you go around having, you see the amount of investment that is taking place, um, you know, genuinely it, it is becoming a real, a real hotbed of investment. Excellent news. Okay, so maybe if things are that good for having PLC, then maybe the next question is a, is a bit superfluous then. So um, so I'll, I'll take this uh, first um, uh, to Alex. Is um, So like any major council, haven't Borough Council's got um, some quite deprived areas um, in contrast to obviously other areas that are, that are much better, better off. If you were asking the government for help in levelling up, that phrase that we're hearing a lot at the moment, is there anything specific you would ask for and what would it be? 
Yeah, I think um, you know, I think whilst I give a really strong reply about what's great about Haven't, I think it's got all those wonderful, great attributes. Um, you know, clearly we've got a lot of challenges to address. I'm not saying everything is completely rosy. Um, we've got this great investment opportunity, and as I mentioned with the Freeport, we've got a real opportunity to invest. But like any market town um, on the outskirts of a city like Haven't is Haven't and Waterlooville are. You know, they are suffering from the the rise of online sales, people wanting um, to, to, to not go out, go to the shops. So, you know, what, what is our major challenge in terms of leveling up? It, it really is our town centres that require um, a lot of work, a lot of investment, um, getting them to a, a standard that um, is one we can be proud about. So I think when we're talking about leveling up asked and leveling up once, it really is to do with our two major town centres. It's to do with Haven, it's to do with Waterlooville. Um, and that's exactly where we're going to the government and saying, making the case really that, you know, we, we need some investment to unlock some of our regeneration plans and we've got plans and ideas and hopes of what they might be. Um, but actually, you know, that's what we need. When we So specifically from the government, you know, what do we require to, to unlock our levelling up? It is our town centres and we're making that case. We're putting the bids in. We're, we're quite strong, strong, strong about doing that. But, um, you know, and obviously we're, we're hopeful we'll get some successes over the next year or so. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Joe, Rishi Sunak's on the phone with a blank cheque. What would you like to spend it on? Oh, oh tough, tough question. No, um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I agree with Alex. Yeah, we need to focus on the Haven and the Waterloo Town Centres. But I represent um, Battens and Lee Park. And over the pandemic, the lockdowns, the whole Lee Park community has come together to help each other. So, I mean, one of the food banks that um, Phil mentioned is, you know, based here in Lee Park, in Lee Park um, Shopping Centre. We need um, some more help to go towards that, get to get it out there. Um, more youth activities would be fantastic, I think, in the borough as a whole. Um, I don't know of any youth club near here at all now. Um, so that will hopefully that would hopefully um, counteract the antisocial behaviour. Um, Park Community School have been fantastic. They do a munch thing where they do um, free school. No, free, um, on Christmas Day if you. Want to come to the school? You can go to the school, pay for a Christmas meal, and have the Christmas meal there. So you don't have to worry about paying out to get that food in for you. Um, and maybe some help and support for, and training courses, maybe for first-time parents. I know, I'm, I'm a mum. I've got two kids. When I first had my, had my first kid, you have all these questions going through your head: Am I doing it right? And I think having those courses that, that could be made available to everybody, whether they're a single parent or a couple. I think that would help in a long way. Okay. Interesting, diverse range of, of answers there. So thank you, Joe. That's good. And Phil, what, what would, well, what would uh, you want to see? Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's an attractive option. Um, I think first, six things I've put down. Um, firstly, build houses that are at affordable social rents so that all young families can live in their own home and bring up their families. I think that's number one. And I think this council can do some of that, but I think more, more money from the more money from the government would definitely help that. The second thing is transport. I think there are many parts of the borough where the transport within it is not very good. So I, I, I said earlier that I actually think the transport, you know, the transport network that haven't in the middle of 
sort of the national network is actually very good but i think within haven't the bus system isn't as good as it could be i know that's a problem of funding and i think with a bit more funding it would help a lot and if we want more people to get into work we have to provide them with fairly cheap transport so they can move from where they live to where they work and that's a key part of whether we're going to get more people into work and help more people out of poverty third thing i think we need more police on the to be seen i did some work when i i actually stood in battens against joe actually four years ago and i did a, a survey i went round uh, the park shopping center on a couple of a couple of saturdays and asked people what the big issues were and some of them were housing but one of the big ones was actually the lack of police presence so and i actually was there while somebody uh walked out of a shop having stolen uh, stuff from the shop and the security guard came up and asked them to stop but they didn't they just walked off and when i spoke to people they, they all said well actually the issue is that there's not a police officer within sight and if the, if we call for them by the time they've got there the person who's gone has gone and disappeared now i think those sort of things really bring people down because they feel that they're not in a in in that you know they're not able to to do the things that they want to do so i think it's really important that there is there are adequate police on the ground in any of these places where antisocial behavior can occur um the third thing i think is actually lee park shopping center as joe said has, itself is really needs redevelopment and, and it, it should be a priority for us because it's probably the most rundown of the shopping centers and and yet it's got a lot of vibrant people within in, within the community so I think that should be a priority. Um, the fifth thing I think is funding to help. I, I think I agree with Alex that actually the government should be helping us to develop both those town centres because I think they need to provide the money. If you're going to convert brownfield sites which have got decaying, you know, poor housing and, and, and build them up again, you need some funding to do that. And I think the government should help us with that. And the last thing to me is possibly linked to my job. I think there are real issues about mental health in our young people and i think some mental health support provided locally would be really important that's my list okay thank you very much so uh, again a, a very wide-ranging um and thought out list so, uh, so thank you very much so yeah last question for me which is a, a little bit of a niche that which is that portsmouth city council actually owns some fairly large tracts of land within haven't borough um, last year, the Portsmouth Conservatives, their manifesto pledge was that um, if they were brought into office, they would sell a, a large tract of land in Haven't um, that's earmarked for social housing to effectively allow Portsmouth residents to have a, a zero rated, um, yeah, a zero rise council tax. So I guess my question is, you know, how, how do you feel about um, Portsmouth maybe owning and um, and looking to direct the way land is used within Haven't Borough. So, fine, address that first to Joe. Um, well, Port City Council, um, they're no different to other landowners, really. You know, they're always, you know, there's these land, some, they got this land that they want to use for housing. But, you know, I think the diversity of people that are bringing in, you know, and it's a lot of social housing as well, all the I'm on the planning committee, so when planning comes forward for big housing um, estates, you know we ask for 30% of that to be social housing. 
And um, I think working together that way with Port City Council, it's getting that, that needed housing there for everybody. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else to say there. Sorry. No worries. No, it's not a problem. We're, we're running out of time anyway, Joe. So, Alex, your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're in a very unusual situation, really, in that um, our neighbouring local authority owns huge swathes of land in our borough. And I think that you'll 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 be very hard pressed to find another local authority in the council that has a similar situation, and um, so it's so almost unique. Um, I guess, from my point of view, I, I I as leader do not or try not to get involved in Portsmouth party politics. Um, you know, whilst uh, I wish my Conservative colleagues well in Portsmouth, I I don't really get involved with, with their policies, ideas. I have a very good working relationship with with Gerald and Darren, the Lib Dem team over at, over at Portsmouth, we, we got on well, we have regular meetings, um, you know, that I'm on a, on a one level, I'm pleased they're doing things like Cabbageford Row, which we've managed to secure 30% of the social housing naming rights, if you like, for having residents. But I mean, on the whole, um, because their Portsmouth land is and, and Portsmouth housing is for Portsmouth people, um, they, they're kind of, um, you know, whether they build more social housing or housing in general, or, or if they, do, do commercial residential in some ways doesn't necessarily matter huge amounts to me because um you know even if they do build housing then it'll be ports and residents coming here and using it so it, it it's a it's a it's an interesting one um you look and i'm i'm very happy for portsmouth councillors and ports and politicians to go on and do what they think is best for portsmouth and i'll just do my best to work with them and uh, help them any way i can perfect thank you alex phil your thoughts well, I understand. I mean, I've certainly heard people say that Portsmouth have been quite a good landlord for the people who they, uh, you know, the properties that they own. Um, so I've not necessarily been very anti-Portsmouth in this. I think they've probably done quite a good job, and it's historical, as you know, following the war. So I think I think that that's that's understandable. If Portsmouth sell it, I presume they would sell land that's already built on because there isn't very much land that's not built on that Portsmouth owned. I don't know of it anyway if, if it is. Um, so it's simply a question in, in large measure about what the housing, who owns the housing that currently um, is provided for a lot of our tenants. Um, and I think a good a good link with Portsmouth is a healthy thing anyway. So I, I, I'm not put out by the idea that Portsmouth might move things around a little bit i'm sure that we should be able to manage around that perfect thank you phil simon okay so our last question um and i will go first to uh first to phil um what is your vision for having over the next five years um my, my first point is really i think i want more public involvement um i think i bet want better communication I want the situation where if you fill in a, a request form to the council, you actually get an answer because I personally have put three requests in before I get any answer over a period of six months. And I know many residents find that really difficult. So I think we really need to get that better. But I also think we need to consult more widely. Interestingly, when uh, the government inspectors rejected haven't local plan or they sent it back to be improved uh, one of their criticisms was that the council had not adequately consulted with the residents about the plan and i think that's an example where more consultation actually would probably lead to less disquiet if people understood the motives behind some of the proposals 
and some of them might change because they because the residents have a good point that is is brought up that the councillors might not realize so i think that's really important i think um we need to do more to improve our town centers i really think there's an awful lot that's great about having I, I i personally like alex actually believe it's a really good place to live in but i just think our town centers don't do us any favors and and it's not impossible to change those and they've been talking about it for the last 20 years or 30 years actually um so why don't they get on with it because i think that there are things that you could do even without extra money from the from the government that we ought to do um and the third bit is i think we need to show a bit more leadership on environmental issues why for example do we not have curbside collection of glass curbside collection of um vegetable waste um which lots of councils do have why do we not have expectations that all new houses have, have got solar panels built onto them that's crazy because and there are boroughs there are councils that expect that why doesn't ours i think if you look at our our environmental record apart from passing a, a broad motion about this some two or three years ago we really haven't done very much and i feel strongly that my vision would involve a lot more active improvements to the environment okay thank you um so alex your vision for having for the next five years okay simon thanks simon i, I think i'll be careful because i probably talk, talk forever and ever if i'm not careful i'm probably aware we're wrapping up soon um so as a as a uh, cabinet, uh, we're actually shortly to bring forward our um, refreshed corporate strategy, uh, which will be sort of uh, set, setting out our vision for having for the next three years. So um, I would actually encourage ones to publish them this month. Uh, residents actually read that and take into account some of the stuff we're talking about. But it it for, it, it rolls around four or oh, sorry six sort of key themes as as I see it and we see it. Um, and one is environmentally aware and cleaner borough so we've got a new climate change and environment strategy that we recently passed the full council it's bringing that through it, it's delivering on some of those priorities it's also taking through um the changes of the environment act um that phil touched upon some of the things about how we change our recycling to make our recycling rates better um and that's something i'm really passionate about is improving our recycling rates and haven't and we actually the environment act gives us a really good opportunity to to make some of those changes um Secondly, is a, a safe environment, healthier and more active residents. Um, one thing that um, I'm really passionate about is improving some of our play parks, um, getting in a better shape and getting some of our kids more active at a younger age, um, tackling childhood obesity, which I think is really, really important. So we've, we've got some policies around that. Um, a thriving local economy. We, we touched upon that earlier in the show, and, and that's about supporting some of our local businesses. Um, but it's also about making a success of the solar freeport, which I think is a really massive opportunity for Haven. Um, how do we take that forward? How do we make sure that um, whilst we're getting the government support by the freeport, how do we get our skills leveled up themselves? So how do we make sure that everyone in our borough have the skills to be able to work in, work in the jobs that are created by the freeport? Um, fourthly, it's, um, so it's a revitalised borough with infrastructure that meets our ambitions um, and that that touches upon things like making sure we close the funding on the Warburton footbridge for instance um, it, it's about making sure some of our regeneration plans are delivered um, making sure our town centers are, are ready for the challenges of the next 10, 10 to 20 years um, so next one is responsive and commercial council so we're really we're really going out and, and trying to make sure that we deliver a successful transformation program we're, we're ending our um shared partnership east hampshire so being that 
a better council working better, delivering for Havant residents, um, putting them first. And then finally, it's a quality home for all, which again, we touched a little bit upon earlier. Um, it's about making sure they've got enough quality homes for all of our residents, um, whether that's social housing, whether that's housing for rent or houses to buy. Um, and as a council, we're going to explore some really interesting innovative ideas. I'm really passionate about having a housing company for Havant um, and actually making sure we we have that housing supply and housing need and also making sure that we cut the number of people in, in B&Bs um, and we already have a very, very low rate of homelessness, but making sure that um, that continues. We don't have rough sleepers and people are provided a home. So that that's my broad vision. Um, but as I said, that we, we go into a lot more detail, a lot more ideas um, and end of the month, we'll be publishing our new updated and refreshed corporate strategy. So please, please do read. I know it's a worthy document, but we try to make it a bit more visual this year. So hopefully it's something that people can engage with. Okay, lovely. Um, and last but not least, Joe. Okay, um, I'll try and make it quick. <coughs> so, sorry. Um, I think, um, yeah, more social housing, um, greener, easier routes for children to be able to walk to school, uh, better provision of healthcare would be great. My doctor says you used to be in New Park, New Park Shopping Centre. It's now moved up to Park Lane, so it's a bit of a walk for me now to get to the doctors. So maybe something a bit closer. Um help with people who want to start allotments the training they need you know grow your own vegetables uh playground facilities nearby for all children they shouldn't have to walk a long way to be able to go to their local playground um yeah that's pretty much it and you know less reliability on using your car you know get the public transport system a bit better yes um I, myself i don't drive i'm happy to get on a bus and go where i need to go or go for a walk if it's if it's nice weather and sun shining and um promotion of our local um attractions you know i go i'm nearby um sort country park so i love walking around the lake so local um promotion of the sort of areas you can go out and get your exercise brilliant okay lovely thank you so th thank you all it's been a fantastic uh, episode and a, a really insightful view into um into having and the challenges and opportunities that you guys have got so thank you to all you've been listening to the pompey oblique haven't politics podcast i've been ian tiny morris and our guests have been alex yeah. Ready? A leader of the council? <laughs> Sorry, I think I, I missed the intro where I said, well, what has happened in this bit? So okay. should have gone to me first. <laughs> That's fine. Sorry, uh, um, Alex and Joe. Yeah, it's Joe. Hi. Normally, I'm, I'm standing in St. Faith's this coming election. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much. And I've been Simon Sansby. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Please don't forget to follow us, like us, share us on YouTube, uh, Twitter uh, and Facebook. Uh, join us uh, next week um, for another show, 627, um, live on social media. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See, it's easy.